Welcome to Taboo Talks. I'm your host, Drenda Thomas-Richards. Taboo Talks is where we discuss all the things that society, the church, and sometimes our friends and family don't want to talk about. This is the place where we learn from each other. It's a place for healing. Taboo Talks is the place for hidden things to come to light. A place to learn, to grow, and to be free to be yourself. No shame or judgment here. It's time. Time to tell your truth. Hello, hello, hello. This is Drenda, and we're back for part two with Candace. And we pick up with her arrest and how she ended up in prison and what it's like, what life is like in prison and what it's like to be in prison on Mother's Day and have a visit from your daughters and your husband. What it's like coming home from prison and earning back the trust of your husband and kids. And she's very brutally honest and transparent in this, and I really appreciate that. And there's, she provides a lot of wisdom for um, women and families in general. So I hope you really enjoy this episode and learn something from it. So I had went and picked up drugs and um, I had gotten some pills too. So I was really, I was flying high. I had stopped at the Walmart to actually, I had a few hundred dollars in my pocket. Uh, and I was flying so high that actually the, the items that I tell you that I normally hid really where and put away that time were in a backpack in the back seat of my truck. And, um, I was going to run in Walmart to get some things for dinner. And then I was heading to the house. And for some reason I decided to shoplift. I know specifically even what I shoplifted and I don't, I'm, I'm too humiliated to even share it because it's so embarrassing. Um, but I shoplifted and then I shoplifted some items, bought some other items and was walking out of the store and they came and got me and I was like, what? You know, well, they ended up taking me into the room and, um, shook Mm -hmm. me down or whatever and found a couple items or something and they were, it was actually under $30. So they were just going to write me a ticket and let me go. Well, they had to wait for police officers. So the police officers got there and they were just going to search me a little bit more. And then I was probably going to get a ticket and then I could leave. Well, I, I, not only did I have the stuff in my backpack that I forgot about, but I was so completely out of it that I had actually put the two bags of dope in my wallet and they, when they searched, they found the two big dra- bags of dope. And then when they, so then I knew right then, and it was like my whole stomach sunk and I felt just sick because I knew I wasn't going anywhere. And um, they asked yeah. if they could search my car. And so when they did, they found the backpack with uh, a tally sheet of who owed what and when um, they found baggies, wow. they found um, paraphernalia and different items. And so I was charged with a manufacturing and distribution charge. So wow. um, I actually had gotten out on probate. So I went to jail for that charge. Got, I signed for, or no, uh, so I signed actually for five years probation, I think. Well, I didn't, I, so I got out and I probably didn't make it three months. And, um, and then I was back using again and then I was on the run and I hadn't shown up to my parole office or my probation officer. And so that's why then they issued a warrant. I was actually supposed to go to Santa Maria hostel in uh, Houston and it's, uh, it was court ordered. And, um, I tried 12 times. You have to call daily and get a bed. And, and each time I just, you know, I wasn't high enough to go, or I was too high to go, or I, I didn't, my ride was too high to take me or, 
I mean, it's like we'd get halfway there and then somebody would call. So we'd have to turn around. And so literally 12 times. And so I never made it there. And um, so I bounced around for a while. And that's when I was saying earlier that I had actually left my home at that point and was, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then uh, the warrant was issued. And then I, um, when I went in and got, picked up on that then I I knew that I I was not going to be getting out that time so that's whenever I actually had to go back through the county system go back through the court system um, and then I signed for three years and um, I did 16 months on that so yeah wow wow and and people of course we're just recording this over a phone but if people could see you in person, you, I mean, nobody would ever guess that you've ever had this kind of lifestyle, that you ever lived this kind of life. Because looking at you, um, there's such an innocence and purity about you. So God has totally restored all of that, which is way cool. But um, in your heart is just so huge. And it's just like, you do not look this part. And so part of me is like, yeah. it's just, it's it's hard to believe sometimes. I mean, I know it's true. I'm not doubting that at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like, um, I've been on drug rates and I know yeah. what places look like and I know what you look like to me now. And so it's like, just to know that you were in dire straits, that you were in a situation like that at one time it's, is yeah, just, it's pretty crazy. I, wow. I look even Drenda at myself and, I don't recognize, I mean, I'm, I have been September, uh, this past September, I, September 1st, I was home five years. Wow. You know, I, I, uh, I had a little bumpy road after getting out of prison. Um, uh, just one bout with, um, you know, because I had all this, I, Jesus, I had met Jesus in prison, you know, and, um, he had done all this amazing stuff in me. And so I wanted to just come out and tell the world. And, um, you know, my husband allowed me so graciously to come back into the home and trust me, but his healing had not began yet. And, you know, I had a time to process, to heal, to, you know, and so it was his turn. And so I had had two years. So, you know, then it was, it was hard. And I think he had so much resentment towards me, anger, um, hurt and pain for what I, and I had very much, uh, devalued him as a man. And, um, and as a husband and as a father. And, um, and so it was just really, really hard for him. And then my daughters were also dealing with at first, you know, like, wait, you just can't come back in and just start, you uh -huh. know? And so, um, yep. so about, I would say about six months in, um, I had done, I, I just, you know, my addicts are, our coping is fight or flight. So it's, you know, and I, I had learned a lot of coping skills, but I, 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 I had just, it became overwhelming. And so I, um, you know, one day just was like, I got to have something, you know? And so, I, I mean, I did relapse for a short time um, and went straight back hardcore right where I left off. And, um, and wow. so I would say probably I functioned for about two months, two, two and a half months. And then my husband started catching on. Cause I mean, I was just, and it was, I don't even know how I literally made it through pro parole, um, and everything. I mean, it was, I just don't even know, <laughs> but, um, without getting caught, um, but it, it, it came finally where my husband, uh, one day, uh, he had never really been 
physical, physical. We had had altercations, but this day, I mean, it was, he was, he couldn't handle it anymore. And we had the worst physical altercation. I mean, there, I was bruised a lot of places and he was probably too. And we almost wrecked on the highway and it was just (laughs) all out crazy. And um, this is the supernatural deliverance of God right here. And I do want to share this because gave me strength to overcome. And then this, uh, this time though, it was a supernatural ability, like deliverance and super, it was a, like I've, I had heard of people talk about, well, one day I just didn't want the drugs anymore. And I had never experienced in anything like that up until that point. Like, I think I was doing it in my own willpower or so to say. And, but, um, so super bad fight. I stayed with the lady around the corner. I went to church the next day, uh, with her and, um, I was just, you know, again, how am I in this spot? You know, I've got parole visit next week. I've got, I'm about to lose everything that I love and cherish and want. And I, I'm again in this spot and I don't want to lose everything that, you know, every, I mean, everything that I had. And, um, so through a couple conversations with different people the next day, my husband allowed me, he went with a friend and stayed um, and allowed me to stay in the home with my daughters. At that point, I had probably um, about three grams of methamphetamines in my pocket and I kept it there. And I remember when he left, I came into the bedroom And I sat down on my bed and I said, all right, God, I said, I hear all these Christians say that I don't have to do this in my own strength. I am at my weakest point again. And I've got this bag of drugs in my pocket or I've got my life. And I, 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 I. I choose my life, but I need you to show me, I need your help. I, I cannot do this in my own strength. You know, I, 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 I've tried and I, I fail. And, you know, I think it was just admitting my complete, again, weakness in, in doing it myself. And I tell you what, I, um, I woke up the next day. And for three days, I held that bag of drug drugs right next to me. And, um, but I didn't touch it. And then on the third day, I just felt like, okay, it's time, Candace. And I went and, and I walked really slow, but I made it to the toilet and I dumped the drugs out and I have never touched methamphetamine since that day. And yeah. And so oh, wow. after that, then it was again. Um, so eventually my husband came home and the next two years were rocky. And like I said before, you know, he was really going through a lot of healing process, dealing with his own depression, his own, his, his own desire to want to hate me, but loved me at the same time. And I think that was a really a lot of inner turmoil in um what to do and just so I mean also you know it's like when you live with an addict for so long it's like you want to trust them but you're so used to being betrayed and hurt that it so becomes the norm that you're just waiting you're waiting for that moment when they're gonna betray you and hurt you again and it's like you become so um just uh um accustomed to it that you're just and so I think that's why it took him so long is because he kept waiting because it had been so many years of just even if it was just a you know maybe it was like in in our our marriage you know maybe I would do good for a year but then I would betray him and hurt him you know or or, or I would do six months and then I or but then I would betray him and hurt him and so I think he just kept waiting like 
Let me just see. Let me just see. Let me just see. And instead of, and he was watching me and watching uh, what I did, what I said, where I went. And, you know, if I said I was going to be gone 15 minutes, was I gone 25 minutes or was I, you know what I mean? It's like, there were parts of my journey that God, instead of it got to the point where he was watching me grow and instead of watching me die, I guess, you know, and, um, he was watching me develop and watching me be trustworthy, be loyal, be reliable. He was watching me grow in my maturity Mm -hmm. of, you know, like I had never even had a bank account of my own for crying out loud. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I, um, I had never held a <laughs> serious job and, um, you know, during the, like, uh, the end of 2019, I started my own caregiving business and God has blessed that. And now today I have four employees and I'm, you know, I, I just got insured and bonded now. And so we're actually, <laughs> we're, we're growing and, um, I know that it's going to continue to grow. And so I'm able to, um, bless my family with this. And I'm also, I have two of the women that work with me are, um, women that are like me coming out of bad situations and, um, but are really, um, giving it their all. And so, because I was not held, um, in a place of judgment, like I told one of the girls, like a couple of weeks ago, I said, with God, you, he will take you into places that you could never go on your own. It's like with me being an ex-addict, I shouldn't be able to be going into homes and where there is access to uh, pain medicines. There's Vicodins, you know, there's different types of um, of uh, medications. But God, though, he, I mean, he knew that I would, I was trustworthy in it before he opened that door. And, um, but you know, if, if my clients knew that I was an, an ex felon that went to drugs for theft and I mean, I went to prison for theft and, um, (laughs) manufacturing and distribution of methamphetamines, they probably wouldn't even believe it. You know, I mean, but that's, no, yeah. it's hard to believe that. I mean, just looking at you again, there's just no way. And it's, you hit on something that I think is really important as well, is that it's not just that you were an addict, but you have a felony yes. on on your record. And so to get a job, to get a job in corporate America, it would be, or pretty yes. much anywhere, it would be very difficult. And so I think it's awesome how God yes. has allowed you to start your own business and helping others who have had the same struggles with you and it just you're helping them not only financially and physically but you're also helping them spiritually as well and that that is yes. so cool it's just the way god works I, yeah i, I really love amazing intricately um works things and i will tell you drinda i never ever thought that i would be a person who passionately, I've even just realized with one of my elderly male clients that really declined over the last two months. Um, Initially, I said, you know, I wouldn't do hygiene and and that type of things with male clients. I just didn't feel comfortable. And, um, but with him, and then he just really, like I said, declined over the last couple months. And it entailed me um, doing a lot of detailed hygiene because of the situation that he was in. And I told my mom, you know, and as I was talking to her, I said, I have found what I'm passionate about because not once did it bother me to take care of the issues that he needed. And they were very intimate, you know, and detailed and, you know, without going in, without sharing, Mm -hmm. but, um, because, I am 
it's my passion. And now I'm, I'm really considering going to nursing school and yeah. So, um, yes, you know, when we, I'm trying to figure out the timing and all that, but, um, I have a love and a patient heart for just the elderly. And, um, sometimes they are just the kind of the forgotten ones. And, um, they are just, I get so much wisdom from them and, um, you know, in their lives. And, um, I just, it is my passion and, and I truly love it. And let, I mean, all my life, I'm like, I'm like, it's just shocking to me that I, I love to just sit on the porch and drink hot tea and talk about, you know, stuff that an 85 year old lady wants to talk about. So, yeah. It is, it is amazing. And it, and God is such a God of restoration and reconciliation and stuff. And we've talked about your relationship with your husband and you, you hit on something with your daughters, but how, how have you earned their trust back and how, how did you work through them forgiving you and you forgiving yourself? How, how has that played out and how yeah. long, I mean, I'm sure it's taken um, a while. I think it was hardest with my oldest daughter and or my my two older daughters I think my younger daughter um was kind of it was she was a little she was not as accepting as the small one the youngest but still uh she is more I think um she doesn't talk as much. You have to really get work on her to get her to talk. And so that was kind of a, a slow process. And then the oldest one um, was probably the hardest because she really, like at eight years old, she was having to be mom and like try to cook dinner and just do things like that. And she just really experienced a lot of um, me having people over, just the, the worst part of it and her knowing what was going on. So, um, it was, it, it was a lot of me. Um, there, there was so much that I really had to allow God to just quiet me because I had to let them heal in their own time and in their own way. And I had to give it was, it was hard. And I, I had to constantly ask for God's help. And how do I not value, or, uh, how do I give them, give them their time and their space to heal, but let them know that I'm here, but let them be angry if they want to, and it's okay. And let them be able to vent yep. and speak and express and I had to be able to have tough skin and take it because I, I, I needed to, I, that's who I, instead of having something to say, I think that was the hardest, hardest thing is, and that's what I say, how God made me kind of be quiet because I, they needed to be allowed to have moments to say what they needed to say to me. And I, and it was hard, but it was the truth. And a lot of people, I think we can get stuck. Um, when something is painful and we don't like it, we want to have some rebuttal or we want to validate maybe what we were experiencing in that hurt too. And that's not fair. Yeah. And um, especially, and I'm speaking as a mom with kids, but um, that was one thing that I really, and I pray I mean, I guess I did an okay job at it because they're just amazing, beautiful women, little women, and they, we have an awesome relationship, but, um, it, you know, I think that is the biggest thing that people aren't good at. And, and even from my own experience as from my father, my father being an addict and me trying to express my emotion and my feeling uh, past hurts and him always having some kind of explanation or, well, this is what he was doing or this is, well, if I wasn't doing this, then, then he wouldn't have done that or, you know, and that's not what a person 
they deserve more than that. You need to sit down and shut up and, you know, and say you're sorry and, you know, and just, and, and, you know, that's why I think, um, love is more, it's an action. You know, they say it's a, it's an actually an action and love is actually, it's, it's showing them through time and, um, circumstances and, um, and, and being there, it's, it's, it's definitely more than just a, I love you is more than just a word and an emotion. It's, it's, it's an action that you do and you live for your family. And, you know, it's like, I tried to, um, I think the major thing was them is there was a traumatic experience of if when mom leaves the house and this was probably for the first year is she, they always wanted to go with me. Somebody always wanted to go with me. And, um, because oh, it's bet. like, well, mom, if she, mom goes, will she come back? And, um, yeah. And I had to learn to be a mom too. I, I learned it's like at 40, I was like learning to live my whole life. You know, I mean, I, I just, and function as an adult and a person and a, I mean, I had no prior, I I mean, I just really didn't have a lot of my youth to look back on, to reflect and be an example, get an example from. And so, um, it was just learning everything at 40, not easy, but, um, you know, (laughs) I'm but telling look how far you, you've come in five you. years. God, right? so much, I tell you. Uh, that's why he says, if you choose to, if you will lose your life, you will gain it. Because when you lose your life in Christ and you give him your, I mean, wholeheartedly, diligently, everything, give him everything. I mean, you can't keep anything for yourself and it's not even worth keeping anyway. But if you will give him your whole heart and daily give him everything that Jesus here's my kids here's my husband here's my life here's everything he will give it back to you like it says in Ephesians 3 20 which is I consider it my birthday promise because my birthday is March 20th and it's I will do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask think or imagine for you for those that are called according to my purposes. And it's like, I will give you, if you will give your life to me, I will give you everything in return. And the thing is, is that sometimes we want, and especially as addicts with this now, now generation and, and, and now response addicts want, they need now, now, now. And so it was really hard to learn that weight And, you know, it also says, be patient and wait on the Lord or those who are wait on the Lord are blessed, you know, but I mean, it's, it's difficult to wait, Mm -hmm. but I will tell you that I've seen the abundance and the blessing of just daily keeping on trusting him. I give it all to you and then him in return, giving it all back. But I will, I can remember the day that I said, Hey guys, you know, I'm going to Walmart. Who wants to go with me? You know, you guys come in or whatever. And like, nobody wanted to go. And, and now, and now it's like, Hey, come on. Uh, you want to go to the store? I'll buy you something. And they're like, no, nah, I don't want to go. You know what I mean? I have to bribe them to hang out with me now. Uh, but you know, it's like, that has to be a good feeling in, is, in, a, in a way. It, you know? it, it, I don't, I don't ever want the joy of remembering where I was to where I've come from and where I am now. I don't ever want that memory to leave. I always tell God, I do not, I carry my TDCJ. That's my, um, my prison ID. I carry that ID in my wallet and, um, because I don't ever want to forget where I came from because I don't ever want to go back there. And I 
always want to have the opportunity if someone maybe is in a broken place or I see them and I want to say, look at this person. I'll have to show you it I, uh, sometime, Drenda. <laughs> um, you would not even recognize that person. And uh, But this used to be me. And this is me now. And wow. um, so, yeah. Yeah. I want to see that picture. Um, you talk a lot about your faith in God and um, how he's done so much for you, for, for you in your life. And he obviously has. Does your husband have the same level of faith? How did he turn to, turn to God during this as well, or did he have counseling, or how did he get? Um, this? He didn't have counseling, um, and he is a man of faith. And he, uh, I, I know when I when he picked me up the day I got out of prison, and he said I made it till this day. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, it was about, it was a couple years for him to really process and work through and deal with, um, a lot of his own issues and, 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 and pain, you know, and, um, but, uh, you know, that honestly, I, I mean, I think that would probably be a question for him, but, um, I, I yeah. do know that, okay, there's it, this God and I'm believing you and I'm trusting you and it's really hard right now, but, but I think, you know, um, I don't think he, uh, so, I mean, that, that I'm sure that's probably what got him through as well. I just have to say he, I have, I've only met him a couple of times in passing. We've never had any kind of conversation and I have to say he's an amazing man to to go through what he went through um just just from what you've said in in the past little bit he is an amazing human being amazing man amazing husband what an incredible dad to to keep it together to to look to accept you back into the home and you and like you said, you've recently celebrated 21 years, and I saw the pictures, and it's like y'all are just little <laughs> lovebirds, and it's and it's so cool. And I'm I'm like, you know, I I'm a, I applaud him. I think it's incredible that he yeah. took the commitment, the vow seriously that he made, and that I mean, he has right. every right to walk away or not to come back. And the fact that he didn't do that and the fact that he trusts you and yeah, he, you, um, you had to earn his trust and rightfully so, but it's just, I mean, he's just an incredible, incredible guy to do this. Yeah. And you know, I never, um, I think that is something too, that, um, in my healing process and my accountability process, and, um, the, a lot of reason to why, um, our marriage has prospered and is blessed up until this point, but, but up until just even just like a couple of years ago, um, I, I couldn't validate him. Like I, um, just said, yeah, you know, well, yeah, you know, you did, y- y- but you did your stuff. You know what I mean? Or, um, I just couldn't give him, um, (laughs) and, uh, man, God really opened my eyes and, and it's like, he deserves that validation. Just like people are validating me now and saying, Hey, you did a good job. You're, you're doing good. He deserved someone to say, and especially the woman that he held strong for to say, Hey, you're, you're amazing. And I love you and thank you. And you are part of the reason I am alive. Like I could never give him that. Like I would always say, well, God's the reason I'm alive or, you know, um, so this is the reason why I'm sober. And, um, there, you know, I, I think it was just, um, golly it was just pride and it was just well the questions I had planned to ask you kind of don't really matter 
it's like I I think I think your message and your heart have come through and and that's one thing that I love about you. I do want you to tell people about card uh, well because that's kind of cool. So myself and my uh very best friend um got inspired by a guy we saw on YouTube, um, their names are Tom and Ahava Fisher. And uh, they had this really, we're really like outside of the box and we just love crazy stuff. And just like Drenda's <laughs> ministry, um, Jesus Loves the Dancers. Um, it's just, it's so outside of the norm and um, it's amazing. And it's where Jesus is. And so, um, anyway, we were inspired by literally their cardboard box, uh, church. And so it's, um, you know, literally taped together by some colorful duct tape and it's just a little, you know, um, maybe five foot by, I'm not good with measurements, five by three or something, but little church (laughs) and it's foldable and, you know, we put Jesus heals, Jesus saves, and it's got a cross on the top and we go and we built it and, um, literally just take it out on the streets. And, you know, um, it's really an eye catcher. And some people look at us like we're crazy. Like who are these Jesus crazy people over here? And, um, then other people are like, I mean, when they, stop and talk to us we're like hey I mean yeah we're like totally just normal people you know we saw God move in some really awesome ways and we just take it on the streets and ask people if we can pray for them or you know um do they need what do they need in their life and um you know um could we introduce them to Jesus and a lot of our testimony gets shared and um yeah it's a really cool little thing so coronavirus shut us down for like it did everybody for a while. But we have got here recently just to take it out once. It gives uh, God amazing opportunity to just really bless people and um, out, you know, in the world. So everybody needs everybody prayer. Needs prayer. Prayer, <laughs> prayer changes things, people. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm here standing. I know it was the faithful prayers of my mom, like literally. And what's your dad? My dad still still is around. around. Yes. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, he's almost 70. So (laughs) there comes a point in time where you can't be uh, running the roads hot like you used to do. So um, God did a supernatural, like I said, healing with me, with my dad while I was in prison. And that's been a journey in and of itself. But um, I can really love my dad where he's at and know that he, after going through my own parental failures and addictions and everything, I can give him a lot more grace. Um, The thing is, is that in the opportunity that I have to tell my kids is that there's there's situations like with my dad and then there's life with me. And I, you know, it's like, um, because I never have gotten to really, I mean, my dad, he kind of settled down because for crying out loud, he's almost 70, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, you know, he'd (laughs) probably still be going hot and heavy if he could. Um, but, uh, I, I actually just really in the last six months I've seen, um, well, maybe three months. Um, last year was a, a crazy year and I'm not going to share all about my family issues, but anyway, um, I've seen a shift in him in like the last three months. You know, I just, I want to, I, I feel like God will do it because it's a desire of my heart, but I, I want to have a really close relationship to my dad and I, that's what I've always wanted. And I think that's what led me into such a life of just, horrible stuff is because I just, I always wanted to be dad's little girl. I really wanted to be, I needed a dad. And so that's what I found comfort in father, God, God, the father, because he, that's how he first introduced me to him is father. And he called me daughter and child and he still does. But I mean, I, I needed, I needed a father I needed someone that was going to tell me I'm going to protect you and I'm going to keep you and I'm going to, I love you. 
so that's how God introduced himself to me very intimately as far. That's interesting you say that because a lot of people say that they have t- a hard time calling God father because they've had such mm-hmm. a horrible relationship with their father so it, oh, yeah. it's interesting I that had you to have run to him opposite in that. that way I always had this vision of me being this little girl hiding behind like my you know like you'd see a little kid like hiding behind her dad's leg and 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 the father's kind of got one arm mm-hmm. on her shoulder and and she's kind of just hiding back there that was the inner child in me was, I always had this vision of that was me. It just like this little girl never. And I never got past that place until literally just the last couple of years where I felt God move his hand from my shoulder into my hand and lead me out from under the back of his legs and say, it's, it's okay. You're okay. It's safe now. Like, you know, and, um, I was, I just led a life of so much fear, fear dominated. That's why I think I also love drugs so much is because it, uh, takes away your inhibitions and you become another person because you don't have, um, so much fear and, and, um, insecurity and all that stuff when you're high. And so I, I think that's another reason why I just so, I, you know, needed to be high at all times because I was another person. That's a beautiful picture of, of God taking you, taking you out from behind the leg and yeah. holding your hand yeah, and leading you. That's so. a beautiful, beautiful yeah. picture. Did your husband and kids, you know, they actually, I, I, I don't even, God was yelling that too, but, um, I, I didn't talk to him. I, I prayed, I prayed. I just Everybody in prison gets mail and gets pictures and gets letters and all that stuff. And I would never get any of that. And, uh, and I would pray every day for just like one picture, one, anything. And there were, um, I had been in there for at least a year. And, um, one day I was walking past the telephones and it was just too painful to even try to call. So I never did because I knew he wouldn't answer. Uh, but this day, something just in me and I called his phone and he actually picked up the phone and answered. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even, I didn't even know mm. what to say or what to do. And I was just so in shock. So you have a time limit on the phone. You can talk like 15 minutes or whatever. And, um, you know, whatever we talked about, I don't even know. And, um, I just was in shock and he had told me, you know, I let all the ladies know, (laughs) he told me like to call back in the day or something like that. And so I, when I called back again and mother's day was actually coming up and I not even thinking that I would have any chance because I was actually like, I think it's about four hours North of where we lived, um, is where my, unit was and so um I had just said you know oh well they were having this Mm -hmm. Mother's Day um event here and and they're allowing families to come in for the day and through this gateway ministry that I was talking about earlier they were actually hosting it and it was a day of healing with your family and they had different um healing and reconciling activities and just things like that from the the moms and the kids So anyway, that was, you know, like a month or, you know, so anyway, um, time goes by, whatever. And, uh, I worked in the kitchen and I'll never forget. It was the day of the program and I had worked in the kitchen that morning. I had went back and I was showering and just doing whatever. And, uh, they called my number and said, come up, you know, and I was just thinking it was something for the kitchen or whatever. And, um, they called me and, uh, he had brought my himself and my three daughters for the Mother's Day uh, uh, program, like activity. Or I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I like, I couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. I, I have the picture of uh, of me and them. And um, oh. so again, that just proves. I had just randomly How did mentioned it the on program? the phone the one time that I when I had called him. Oh. Uh, yeah, 
I'm telling you, girl, he's a winner. (laughs) He's a gym. I I can't even believe that he did that and brought them. And um, so, yeah, that was amazing. And then another really special thing that God did for me is that, like I said in the beginning, um, everybody got pictures. And, you know, it's like, man, you don't even know like what a letter does in there. I mean, it's, you know, or one picture. And so I would pray, everybody around me would always get all these letters and pictures. And I would just pray, God, just one picture, just one, all at once, one picture. Well, about the last month, last month or two, he, God worked so awesome that my husband printed up so many pictures that I, that I would get about three envelopes a week and each envelope would have seven to 10 pictures in it. Of my kids and oh, of know. just different things and girl, it was, it was literally, it, <laughs> it was a testimony to all the other women because they all knew and we would have prayer circles at night and I would pray just for one picture, you know, or at the, my bunkies that stayed beside me, you know, they would know, you know, that nights when I would be crying and they'd say, what's wrong. And I'd say, I just want, like, I just want a letter. I just want one picture. And, um, so when I began to do that, I mean, when I started getting that, it was, um, it was, it was pretty awesome. And, and I knew that was God putting that on his heart so that I could have pictures. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah. That is so cool. I love that. (laughs) What, so what did it feel like when when they did come to visit you, what did you feel awkward? Did you feel shame, or were you? I just think I was in shock. There, probably I was probably <laughs> a little bit, um, because as a woman, um, in prison, there's no makeup, there's no hair products. I had gained quite a bit of weight, so for my husband, I I can tell you that I probably felt a little. Um, like, you know, gosh, this is not the way I want you to see me. Yeah. And then, but for my, you know, my daughters, I think uh, with the activities um, that they did, it was, you know, it was quite a few years ago, but with the activities that they did, it was not a lot of time to get into real emotional thought process yet. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it, um, like, uh, there was only that last little bit where, okay, it's time to go. And, you know, it was difficult, but they kept us really moving and thinking and playing and laughing and eating together and things like that. So um, it wasn't difficult until it was time to go. And they did, a, you know, like I said, it's been quite a few years ago, but I remember them doing, like we had an opportunity to stand up and take a few moments in the group um, to say what we just, we felt on our hearts to say to our families. So I know that was, that was a really cool opportunity. And plus it was in front of everyone. So it gave it even more. They must have some pool to be able to allow y'all to eat together. Oh, I mean, the, the I, gateway girl, ministry. That, that, that facility that I was at, was beyond god it was a blessing Uh, normal units you don't get to um it was really laid back it it was exact it was privately owned so it wasn't actually owned by the state of texas so that they had their separate rules and regulations and guidelines like they had to follow a lot of the uh there's set ones, but then they could also be more lenient in some of their other, um, uh, restrictions and things like that. So that's why we got, I mean, at Christmas time they came in and we had, um, they brought us gifts and, you know, through this church, like I said, it's a really a big church and they've got a lot of finances that they can, um, just back the ministries with, but, um, they brought us, they, they were just, it it was over and above what you would most units are going to 
did the other dorms um, get that Christmas as well, time, or was it just no? Each, the, each of the two hundred women got a a small present, and like they they gave notebooks, pencils, you know, um, stamps, things oh. that um, are, you know, yeah, things that we could use, socks, um, you know, things like that. But um, uh, we did get special things, like we got to listen to worship music on the television and we were you know we had bible studies and you know those were things that the other women didn't get to do i mean we had we got to do um some special activities uh that the other uh dorms didn't get to when you were in the other dorms before that Um, were you ever scared i was not scared in Bridgeport and I mean scared as in am I gonna get hurt or um you know whatever at that particular facility now when I was in transition you go through um I went through playing uh uh Dayton which is a golly I've gone blank uh it starts with a p but anyway um you go through that unit in Dayton and um that's like a hardcore you know it's a state jail and there's some rough times there and it's like pretty hardcore and you don't want to mess around and you don't want to mess up and you just do you stay in your lane and you do what you're supposed to do by Dallas to a, uh, it was kind of a hub and they have like five units and that's where the women long timers go. Um, and I was in there probably for golly, a couple weeks. And, but luckily my celly, <laughs> it's just two women to a cell and you do have a window, you know, it, it, it makes the long hours. You get to come out for a shower. I mean, you, you learn, you, you lose all inhibitions as far as I mean if you want to take a shower you're going to get naked in front of people and you know if you yeah how long did it, uh, how I don't, did it I don't know you if you ever used to really that. get used to it I mean I mean well I guess you do because in prison you everywhere you go you're going to get searched um, if you leave one facility to go to another facility, if you leave one building to go to another building, if you work outside of one place to go work, because they have to make sure that you're not <coughs> stealing, you know, or um, getting uh, contraband in or anything like that. So it's a, you get naked. And so, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever really got comfortable with it. Um, but you know, um, I would say it was at least a year or so in, you know, before I was like, okay, just, and that was because I had been at that unit for a while and it was like the same people, you know, um, so did, oh, they, yeah. Have, yeah. did they have females guards? They did, the- but I mean, it's, you know, in some, it depended on how hard they wanted to be. Um, cause you know, a lot of them. It's like, take off your stuff. They're not even going to really watch you. Take off your socks. You know, get, you're good. Okay, put it all back on. Some of them, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they, they want to make you uncomfortable. They want to let you know, hey, I'm in power here and you're going to do what I say, you know. And it's like, take off your clothes. Take off your socks. Turn around. Lift your this. Cough. You know, do whatever. And, um, you know, and that was not all the time though. And that was not every guard. I I had more of a better experience with, um, guards than I, I mean, I had a couple that were just really no good. Um, and they really don't get paid that much and they really don't have to go through that much of any type of, um, uh, classes or anything like that. I mean, there's just a little bit, you know, that they have to go through. I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just saying, you know, they can kind of get a power trip a little bit. I think it may go to their heads, but for the, for the most part, the, the guards that I knew would, were just really awesome. And they'd say, Hey, you know what? Um, there's really not much difference between you and me, except for you got caught and I didn't, I mean, 
you know, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, a lot of us were in there yeah. for things that those people had done too. They just didn't get caught. Yeah. So well. what a fascinating life, girl. So what, what would you say to the soccer moms out there that are playing around with the pills and um, starting to look for something a little bit stronger? What, what would you mm. say to them? Uh, let's see, proceed with caution because, um, the monster will want to be fed. There is an end of all there. Ultimately, there is, you will lose something from it. And whether it's your dignity, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your relationships with your kids, whether it's your career, whether it's your home, whether it's your, uh, you know, your freedom, uh, you're going to lose something in that battle because you're not going to come out winning. You're not going to and I, I mean, it, it, there's going to be, yes, different levels, different degrees. Yes, maybe you're a high functioning, maybe this, maybe that. But it's always going to come down to there's going to be a winner and a loser in it. And you're going to lose. And I mean, if I mean, just so, you know, and a lot of people, unfortunately, have to get to that point and lose everything. I mean, I did. I literally came out with the underwear that I had, uh, that I got in prison and like the outfit they gave me, um, and started from scratch. And that's really hard as a woman. I would say reach out to someone because also there's a statistic that one in three, even this is at church, this is people in general, one in three have either someone they know or related to or whatever that is either that has been incarcerated or his um, <clears throat> like know someone that has been incarcerated or anything. So it's like, it's not, I think that's the biggest delusion or whatever is that you're, you can't tell anybody or that nobody else is dealing with, um, these, uh, you know, incarceration or addiction, or, you know, it's your dirty little secret, or it's not even dirty yet. It's just a secret and adequate help, I guess I did in my earlier years and went to some rehabs, but I, I just wasn't in the right place to even get the full, you know, impact of it. And, um, it only worked for a while. But there's, you know, and I'd say to the soccer mom too, why are you using, there's a reason. So why, what, what do you need to, why do you need to have the vitamin and glass of wine? So what's the, what's the deeper problem here? It's not that you just need to relax. So why don't, you know, deal with, you know, go deep. And what would you say to the woman who's just been diagnosed with cancer or is facing um, radiation? Your outer core determine the beauty and the the beauty of who you are inside I think we put so much um so much on our bodies sometime and you know so much value in what we look like and it's literally I mean you know I've seen some posters and some pictures of like women that have as well gone through the surgery and they have like one breast, you know, and, and she kind of has like her hand on her breast and it's like a black and white photo and it's really Mm -hmm. beautiful and it's really powerful, you know, find a good support system. There was lots of, you know, and what's really cool is I had always wanted to be part of the Susan G. Komen uh, race for the cure. And I actually, I mean, COVID kind of shut the actual uh, race down, but they had a virtual race this past October. I had always wanted to be a part of that. And so I actually got to do that. Uh, Yeah. 
and I had like six ladies go with me and we oh, did a, cool. you know, we just, you logged in and did a virtual run, but, um, it benefited and raised, we raised a little bit of money, you know, for the, and got a t-shirt and I, you know, got the pin that survivor and, uh, it really meant a lot to me. And so, um, you know, and you're such a survivor on so many more levels than just the cancer. I mean, um, because it's surviving a lot of emotional and, um, and you just, you really just going through it, you exhibit strength and, um, and, and you, so many people are getting from you that you don't even realize when you're going through something and you're just going through it, you know what I mean? And, um, I, my neighbor, he has actually lung cancer and, just to see him though, I mean, I, I've recently in the last week seen that his head is shaved now. And um, there is such a respect I have for him without him even having to say anything, but that he's, 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 you know, he's like, he's being strong. He's, he's going to work, he's doing, and his could even be terminal at this point. And um, so, uh, you know, that y- you just, uh, you don't even realize what you, you speak to people, you know, and the respect and, and just your strength you're showing to them and, and, um, um, being an example. I I think that's one thing that's overlooked is everybody's focused on the physical aspect of the cancer. Absolutely. The thing that gets overlooked is the emotional piece of it as well. And so what would you say to that girl that's, coming out of just stepped out of the gates of prison with just her underwear and the clothes on her back uh, that were given to her. What do you, what would you say to her? Hold your chin up high. Yes. Um, go after your dreams. Yes. Let nothing stop you. You are yes. not defined yes. by your past. You are you wake up every day with a fight in you um, because that's what it's going to take. And especially in the first couple years, you're going to have to fight your way and you can do it because you're a fighter because you've made it this far. If you will, it doesn't even matter if you have the felon tag on you. I would say if you are not a believer in Jesus and you have not encountered him, I challenge you, if you are in a place where um, you feel there is no hope and you feel like you are trapped with this tag that says felon or unworthy, no good, loser, if you want to know your true name. I, I challenge you to not do the religious thing and go find a church and, and sign a card or raise your hand, or it doesn't take that. You could be anywhere doing anything. You could literally be sitting in a crack house for God's sakes. It does not matter. And you could have a true heart and say, Jesus, I want to know you. And I will tell you, he will show himself to you and he will call you by a name that you have never been called before. It will be your name and he will wipe that, that tag off of you. He will wipe that, that loser felon, you know, unworthy, no good, uh, you know, all those tags all those you know and and then and then he will set you in places that you are like I shouldn't even be here it will be amazing so that that's probably what I would you know I would challenge anyone that doesn't or has never experienced or encountered um Jesus that was beautiful Wapping tears over here (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and being so honest and transparent and just willing to talk about everything and anything. And just, I 
I love your heart. I love it even more now that I know more about you. And <laughs> dang. I knew you were strong. Um, but dang girl, <laughs> you are really you're really strong. <laughs> and I and I know it's just amazing just to see how far God's brought you in five years in that the the one thing I think is always so funny is that God doesn't right. care um about labels and tags and stuff. Yeah. If he wants you somewhere, he's gonna open those doors. And so he doesn't care that you're you you've got a felony. He's going to put you right where he needs you and where other people need you. And that's just so cool. He's a cool God. And I'm just grateful that I've, uh, that I know you and that you're a part of the ministry with me and that I just love your heart. And um, I know God's got some really cool things, some more cool things. Love you too. Thanks for having me. Super enjoyed being able to just share. So thanks, Drenda. So many takeaways from this episode, but I think the biggest one for me was you don't have to be defined by your past and you don't have to be labeled because there is really no way Candace should have the healthcare business that she has, um, but it's only because of God that she does have it. And I just think it's so cool that um, all of the things that society says, oh, you can't do because you're an ex-con or you're this or you're that. It doesn't matter when God says, this is what you need to do. This is what I want you to do. Doors open. And um, it, her transformation is amazing. And I'm going to post a picture on Facebook and other places so you can see the prison ID card that she talks about and you can see her today and she's just a beautiful soul inside and out and I'm so honored and grateful that she took the time to talk with me and just be so open about everything and provide the words of wisdom that she did because it applies to all of us in our walk of life so hope you enjoyed this episode Um, Let me know. uh, Let me know what you thought and let me know what other topics you wanted me to talk about. Hey, it's Trenda again. Just wanted to let you know I wrote a book. Yeah. Woohoo. It's called Badass Babes of the Bible. And I wanted it to be a book that people who don't really go to church or even if they do go to church, but they're not all into the churchy stuff, they would get something out of this book. And it's... um, it's the stories of the Bible brought to modern day. And yeah, there's some cuss words in it. And if you don't like it, then don't buy it. But I think there are a lot of good life principles that we can all learn from. It's ancient stories meets modern day storytelling. And truth is truth no matter what the century is. But this one comes with a warning label. So you know, it must be badass. You can buy it on Amazon. Thank you for joining me today on Taboo Talks. Feel free to let me know if this episode was helpful and let me know what topics you want to discuss in the future. I want to hear your truth.